Hey church, we are in our final sermon, our final installment for the Multiply Rhythm series. So we finished out the six steps last week with Multiply Finances, and I hope you're still not mad at me from, from that one. Um, and, uh, and going into this one, we are talking about Multiply Disciples and what that means, because that's what this whole, new, this whole strategy for us in R3 is about. That's what this entire series in Multiply Rhythm has been about, because the rhythm we really want to multiply in your life is disciple-making, is how to make disciples. And so I want to start off with this question. And, uh, and in this question, this is not a condemnatory question. This is really a question for you to evaluate yourself. This is a question for you to, to see where you actually are on your walk with Jesus, where you are walking, if you are walking in step with the Spirit, where you are just in your journey of faith. So the question is this, when is the last time you've made a disciple? Or have you made a disciple? And again, this isn't a question to condemn you. This is a question to show you uh, where you are in your walk with Jesus and if you're actually following in the footsteps of Christ. Because today we're going to talk about Matthew chapter 28. And literally the last thing Jesus left us with was to go and make disciples. And so are you doing that? And, and I don't mean are you part of an organization or a church that's doing that. I don't mean, are you, or I should say, I don't just mean, are you um, helping someone understand the scriptures better? Or are you teaching someone how to pray? I mean, when's the last time you made a disciple? Uh, you actually shared your faith with somebody. They responded to Christ and said, I give my life to you, Lord Jesus. And you started teaching them how to follow Jesus. Uh, how to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. When's the last time you've done that? Or have you done that? And if your answer is, oh, I'm not sure, or, or oh, that's, it's been a long time, or, or oh, I don't think I've ever done that. Well, our church is designed around helping you, equipping you, empowering you to do that. We design our entire church around trying to empower you to live out the last thing that Jesus said to us. And so let's go in the passage and, and hopefully today, um, I just want to give you a picture of what Jesus is calling us to do so that hopefully you can join into that and say, yes, I do want to be a part of that. When I say I want to follow Jesus, that's what I want to do. Because we're in the book of Matthew. And guys, this entire book is about Jesus making disciples. So uh, he ends here. With, with something that isn't brand new. He ends here with really encapsulating, summarizing, putting in a succinct form what he's been doing, 
what he's been showing them, what he's been calling them to do, and, and in essence, what he's been calling us to do, and what he's been showing us, and what he's been doing with us. And so here in verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain which, to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And, and so let's, let's, start right, let's stop right there for a second. Um, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And I don't know where you are in your faith right now. You may be, be dealing with this. You may be trying to worship Jesus, and, and you're also dealing with doubts. You, you may have some doubts about who Jesus is. You may have some doubts about what it means to actually follow Jesus. You may have some doubts about giving your life fully over to Jesus. And I want to say here that when Jesus gives this great commission, when he gives this, uh, what's often called the great commission, these, these instructions, these commands to his disciples to live out while he's gone, when he gives this, it's a mixed crowd. It's a mixed group. Some are worshiping him. Some are like, yes, you are Lord, you are God. You're just, some are like, what is actually going on here? And so we're in this today. There's a mixed group. There's a mixed crowd. There's a, there's, and, and it's okay. Wherever you are right now, uh, you know, we have, uh, if you go on our website and see, um, uh, for those who want to join in R3 and, and take part in R3, there's, there's boxes they can check to say where they are in the journey of faith. Like if they're curious, if they're a believer, if they're a disciple, if they're a disciple maker. And, and so uh, in our church and people listening to this and watching this, I know it's a mixed crowd. There's some who are curious, there's some who are disciple makers and, and everyone in between. And there's some who are worshiping and doubting and there's some who are just doubting. And, and so here we have that same mixed group, but Jesus doesn't say, okay, to the worshipers, I'm going to say this. And to the doubters, I'm going to say this. He says this to all of them. Because guys, even in your doubts, even in your doubts, you can walk forward in your faith. Even in your doubts, you can walk in Christ's footsteps. And so don't let your doubts hinder you. Your, your doubts aren't sinful necessarily. But your doubts definitely do become sin when they start hindering your obedience, okay? When they start hindering you stepping forward in Christ's footsteps, okay? We can still have, we can still have faith and, and doubt a little bit, but even when we step out in faith, we see how doubt affects that, right? When Peter steps out on the water and he starts sinking because Jesus is walking on the water and he starts sinking, he says, oh, oh, you of little faith. Why, why are you guys doubting? All right? And we see different instances of that with Thomas and, and other disciples too. So, um, uh, but when your doubts hinder, so your doubts can affect your obedience, but when they completely hinder your obedience, um, then uh, that, that may be a cause for sin. So he still gives this to everybody. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of it. All authority in the entire world, the physical world and the spiritual world, has been given to me. And now I'm giving it to you to do this. All right? This is Acts 1 8. Wait for the Holy Spirit. 
He's going to empower you. He's going he's to come, come and give you power from on high. Um, verse 19, go therefore. Uh, this this uh, word in the, in the Greek is, is in your going. So going, so as you go. So it, it's almost an assumption that you are going, that you are doing, that you're, you're going to do something. So, so therefore in your going, do this, make disciples of all nations. Okay. You might be saying, well, that's great, Jesus. But how? <laughs> how do I do this? Well, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. Uh, where was it? Teaching them to obey, uh, to observe all that I've commanded you. So, how do we make disciples? Well, um, we bring them to make a commitment to the Lord and we baptize them in that commitment, raise, uh, buried with Christ in his death, raised to walk in new life. And then we teach them all of Christ's commandments, okay? Uh, but how? How do we do that? Well, that's what the entire book of Matthew talks to us about. You know, Jesus in his first sermon says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. You can reach out. You can touch it. It's, it's here. He's saying it's like, I'm here. I'm ushering in. I'm, I'm, I'm King Jesus ushering in. The kingdom of heaven is now here. So that's his first kind of sermonette there. Um, he says, so turn, turn away. And, and oftentimes we think we hear repent and we're like, oh, that's a harsh. Um, and we, we um, infer a certain tone, right? But I imagine Jesus saying, saying hey guys, You've been waiting for this all your lives. All of history has been waiting for this moment. Creation has been groaning. It's time to turn from your wicked ways because now there's a new way. There's a way of righteousness. There's a way of beauty. There's a way of holiness. There's a way of abundance. So now it's time to change your minds. That's what that word literally means, to turn away because the kingdom of heaven is here. It's right before you. And then he goes into the Sermon on the Mount and he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. This is what it means to live as a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to follow me. Well, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, right? You're salt, you're light, you preserve the goodness of God and culture. You shine light in the darkness. You're a person who puts away anger because you're putting away your own selfish desires. You're a person who puts away lust because you're putting away evil desires. You're a person who is, whose yes means yes and whose no means no. You're a person of integrity. You're a person then who can love your enemies. Not just those who love you, but you even love those who hate you. You even love those who are against you. You even love those who try to harm you. You even love those who persecute you. You bless those who curse you. Also, you're a person who, who keeps their physical body in order and you fast and you watch what you put in your body. You are a person who bears good fruit. You're a person who hears and obeys, who builds their house on the rock. Guys, I just mentioned all the six Fs. That's all the success. That's fruit and family and finances and faith and fuel and 
the other F that I can't remember right now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, all, that's all six Fs in there for us. Fitness, yes, I knew it would come to my mind. Uh, so they're, they're all there. And this is what a kingdom citizen looks like. This is what a disciple looks like. And so Jesus says, go and make these people who look like this, who look like kingdom citizens in the Sermon on the Mount. And you know what? I'm going to show you in the rest of the book of Matthew, he says, I'm going to show you what that really looks like. So come follow me and let me show you what that looks like. And he does that. He does that all through the book. And so they're seeing it. They're witnessing it. And the disciples are like, they just don't get it, right? They struggle with it. And maybe that's where you are right now. You're just like, I don't, I don't get it. I'm struggling with it. Like, I hear what you're saying. I hear you're saying that's what a disciple should be. But I don't know. I just, I'm just... I just don't get it. I'm, I'm doubting. Or, or it feels like, it feels like, um, I don't know what it feels like. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Maybe there's some feeling you have with it. But, but uh, Jesus shows them that this way is narrow. He says it's the way is wide that leads to destruction. The way is narrow that leads to salvation, the abundant life. And then he shows them how to live it. He shows them how to live a life fully in the spirit one that is full in spirit, one, a life that says, or a life where Jesus says, I only do what the Father says. I hear and I obey. That's it. I hear him and I obey him. That's it. And I go in the power of the spirit and do that. And you guys come along with me so that you imitate you imitate me and then you're gonna bring people along with you so they imitate you as you imitate me hopefully they don't imitate you when you don't imitate me but they imitate you as you imitate me and guys that's that's a subship that's how you make a disciple so going back to the question when was the last time or have you ever done that because if you haven't you've missed the great commission you've missed what following Jesus actually is and we want to get you to that. We want to get you to actually be someone who lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, who, who lives as a kingdom citizen, who can say to people, imitate me as they imitate Christ and make disciples. Because that is what Jesus has invited us to. Guys, this great commission, this, this grand narrative, this, this marvelous mission, this plan that, that God has put in place for us to take part in, he's inviting you into it. He's not just saying, hey, go do my work for me. He's saying, I'm doing this work and I want to do it with you. I want you in there with me. I want, I want you living on mission with me. I want you making disciples with me. He's waiting for you to join his mission. Guys, this is the mission. Discovering identity and destiny in Christ in order to influence our scene in the world is just a restatement of the Great Commission. That's all it is. We got it from here. We didn't, we didn't make it up. We just, we just put it in words that are kind of relevant to our culture. Discovering identity in Christ, discovering destiny in Christ in order to influence our scene in the world to make disciples. And he says... We go and we baptize and we teach them to observe. And, and you know, this is, these are just elements of, of, so the baptizing is, that's your identity in Christ, right? It's someone, it's someone saying, I am buried with Christ in his death and I'm raised to walk in new life with Christ. 
in Christ's own baptism back in, in uh, Matthew chapter 3 here, verses 16 and 17, it says, it, it, he gets baptized and God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He hasn't done any ministry, guys. His identity is fully in God. The Spirit has descended on him. And if you see this, actually, see this bracelet here, bracelet here, this was given to me by a good friend of mine, Nick Burleson, who, um, uh, this says 317 on here, you see? It's Matthew 317, it's referring to my identity in Christ. It's a daily reminder that my identity is not in my job, my family, my marriage, my success, my failures, my sin, my trauma, my uh, mental uh, debilitation, my physical debilitations, my, um, my possessions, nothing. It's in God, in Christ alone. And, and that's it. And so when he says baptizing them, it's not just a thing we do. It's no, you have committed. If you've been baptized, you have committed to try your best to put your identity in Christ. Your spirituality is your identity is in Christ. Paul says in Colossians 3, he says, your life is hidden in Christ. He says, your life is Christ. And so when he says baptizing them, we're, we're leading people to discover their identity in Christ. And then when he says teaching them to obey all I've commanded or to observe all I've commanded, we are teaching people their destiny in Christ. Because guys, you have the same identity as I have, if you're in Jesus, and you have the same destiny that I have in Christ. That's to be an ambassador for Christ, that's to be a servant of Christ, that's to be a, a, a minister of reconciliation. That's to share your faith, that's to live as a kingdom citizen, like we talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. We all have that same destiny. And so when we're teaching, when we're teaching these instructions and commandments that, that Jesus has given us, it's the same for all of us. And then how you apply it, how you live it out, is how you influence. And so then we, teach, then we help people uh, discover their gifts and their jobs and their passions and their, their, their um, aspirations and their talents and their skills. And we release them to be kingdom disciples who engage society because out of that arises the church. And the church is where we make. So kingdom disciples, when you engage society, you start making disciples because that is the church. The church is the disciples. Okay? It's the disciples of God. It's the people of God. And somewhere along the way, we lost that. Somewhere along the way, we just slightly veered off the path. And now that slight veer, I mean, guys, even if we're going in a straight line, that slight veer, once it's like that for hundreds of years, we're way off the path at that point, hundreds of years down the road. And somewhere we've lost this as the church. Some, somewhere we lost this disciple-making uh, mantra because instead, uh, and Jonathan and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Instead, we have uh, we've bought into the church as a different thing. And the church, the institution, became the thing. And so because the church became the thing, 
Well, we lost Kingdom Disciples Engaging Society, KDSC, that's our DNA. And maybe we started with the church, and I mean the church in general. Obviously, our church started with the Kingdom and Kingdom Disciples Engaging Society. Um, uh, and we still missed the boat <laughs> along the way. Uh, so. We start with the church, and, and guys, if you start with the church, you may never get the kingdom. Jesus starts with the kingdom. In the book of Matthew, he starts with the kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We don't even see the church mentioned until Matthew chapter 16. We don't even see it until Matthew chapter 16. And then we don't see it again until Acts. So, so guys, the kingdom, we got to start with the kingdom. Kingdom disciples and getting society out, out of that arises the church. And it's a, it's a different type of church. So, um, but somewhere along the way, like I said, we got distracted by the thing. And we said, no, we're doing our church thing. So this is how we make disciples. Guys, if I talk to most, actually when I talk to most church leaders today, and, and I tell them our church is focused on disciple making more than we ever have been before and actually empowering our people to make disciples, they say, oh yeah, we, we do that too. When, when people come and listen to me speak for 40 minutes or 30 minutes, I'm discipling them. And I'm like, no, you're not. Because the, in North America, guys, we have little to zero actual real kingdom impact happening. We have people from this church going to this church, listen to this guy, going to that, that person over and over. It's just, it's just sheep swapping. So um, now I don't want to say that, uh, that um, this isn't part of your discipleship or that hearing a sermon isn't part of your discipleship because it is, but, is, but it is not discipleship. It's a, it's a small piece of it. Because Jesus, what was more discipleship for them was life on life. And that's what our new strategy is really all about. How do, we, how do we live the one another lifestyle? How do we share life together? How do we make everything discipleship? That discipleship happens everywhere, anytime, anyplace. Because, our, because you've actually realized your life is Christ. You've actually walked forward in that reality. And so, uh, so here... Well, and so we become distracted by this thing. And, and we said, okay, come to here, come to this thing to listen to me speak, come to this thing. And, and, and you're serving, you're, you're, when you serve, it's even at the thing, right? Come and be on my parking lot crew. We don't have that. Come and uh, work in the nursery. We need people in the nursery to take care of babies. Um, we don't really have that either. Um, come and, uh, come and do, be an usher, right? All, all those types of things, which... We don't have that either. Um, and we've made serving inside the church instead of serving outside, which is salt and light. Be salt and light out there, not in here. You're, you're to go, therefore. You're to go out and make disciples, right? And, and so our church has, uh, our new rhythm is, is, there's a small centralized aspect, but it's mainly decentralized to go to be free, to, re to be released, and to go into society and do this. Um, and he says here at the end, and behold, and behold, like that's a strong word in the scriptures. It's almost like a slap in the face, like wake up. Like if, you were, if you'd been falling asleep, and behold should wake you up. And behold, 
I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, you, you don't have to do this on your own. You weren't meant to do this on your own. You're partnering with me. You're in this with me. I'm still on mission. I'm still reconciling the world to myself. I'm, in fact, as Colossians 1 says, I'm reconciling all things. I'm still a minister of reconciliation, Christ is saying. I'm still making peace. I'm still an ambassador for God. I'm bringing all things in, and I want your participation in that. I want to do that with you, Jesus is saying. What's awesome about this book is that it starts with a genealogy. It starts with a line of people, and a lot of us probably skip over that genealogy. It's one of my favorite passages in the scriptures, which I'll actually preach the genealogy next week. Um, but it's one of my favorite passages. Uh, so don't tune out for that. <laughs> You're like, oh gosh, where that, where's that going to go? But it, hopefully it'll be beautiful for you. Um, so I'll go deeper into it next week. But what's great about this book is it starts with a genealogy, a list of names, a list of people that lead up to Christ's coming. So this person was a parent of this person, this person was a parent of that person, they birthed that person, they begot that person, on and on and on. And it leads to, to Jesus being born. It leads to Christ's coming. It's a lineage of those who were faithful, of those who took part in Christ's coming. And when Jesus ends the book, he says, go and do that. Go and continue my lineage. Go and continue the genealogy. Go and make disciples. Go and add more names. So we can say, we can say, um, David begot James and James begot uh, Jeremy and Jeremy begot Isaiah, and Isaiah begot Daniel, and on and on and on. We can say, we can say, uh, Sarah begot Ashley, and Ashley begot Laura, and Laura begot Kelly, and Kelly, be and, and you see this lineage of disciple making. Jesus says, I want you to join into that. I want you to multiply disciples with me. That's when you're actually following me. You know, the Bible says you can believe, but even the demons believe and shudder. I don't think we want to throw our lot in with them. I think we want to be disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, and call people and be a people who are joining God in this grand narrative of extending his genealogy to his next coming. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word and the beauty of it. Thank you for what you've invited us into. 
We are so unequipped. We're ill-equipped to do what you've called us to do apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, apart from all the authority that's been given to you that you have given to us in the power of your Spirit. And it's only in you that we can do this. So as a church, we give it all to you. Lead us by your Spirit. We want to walk in step with your Spirit. We want to follow in your footsteps, Jesus. And as individuals, may we just have a desire to join into your great commission, this grand narrative, this, this really magnificent, marvelous mission that you have, that you've called us to partner in, uh, put to partner in with you. And I trust that you will equip, empower us along the way to bring people to repentance so that they see the kingdom of heaven and experience the abundant life. We love you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen.